I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. Well, Vic, good morning. But let's get back to Grandma and Grandpa Glispie, and I know we kind of stopped. Would you tell me a little bit about Grandma Betty's brothers? Yes, I will uh, start by saying they had seven or eight kids. Most of them married mixed bloods, and their grandchildren range in degree of blood from three-eighths to three-quarters. Emma was married twice. She was the youngest, and she married a mixed blood the first time, and he died, and then she married a full blood, so that accounts for the three-quarters. Vic, can you name the, the kids... Yeah, they had seven or eight kids, and I'll uh, I'll uh, say the ones that I can remember. The oldest was uh, Lizzie, and she married John Garnier, uh, who was the son of uh, Baptiste Garnier. He was a scout for the. Uh, the cavalry, oh, and then okay. the next, the next two were my grandmother Betty Beatrice and her identical twin sister uh, Jenny. Now, of course, Betty married uh, Oliver Swallow, and Jenny married uh, Sam Roulard. Then the next, I believe, was George Gillespie. George married a Cheyenne lady that was a quarter Cheyenne. So being he was half Cheyenne, their kids were all 100% Cheyenne, the three-eighths. But they're registered as Sue's. They didn't do that back then. I know, and yeah. for our listeners, um, I would like to explain that a little bit. It kind of happened to be where they ended up as to which reservation that they were enrolled in, and uh, that that's why Vic's saying that 
although they were Northern Cheyenne, they ended up being enrolled Okalala. Yeah, that's kind of how, you know, it, it, it was. There was some from uh, Sitting Bull's band. My mother's mother was a hunk papa, and she's enrolled as an Ogallala, and, and our grandfather, uh, Oliver, his mother was C. Chunk, which is Rosebud, but he was enrolled as an Ogwala. So uh, that's how that went. So George, and then I believe it was Bob, and he married uh, Alice Janice. Uh, Bob did. He was one of the ones I knew. Dad used to go visit him. And uh, then there was... Uh, one of their children named Henry, he left. He told our our grandfather he was he was leaving and he wasn't going to come back. But he did write a letter to his sister Jenny that he was in Billings and he was headed for uh, San Francisco. And it was after that they had that big earthquake there, so. That's where the story ends with uh, with him. And then there is Margie, who was engaged to get married, but her fiancé went off to war in World War One, and uh, he never came back. He got killed there. And she married later in life, to Aaron Dreamer, and they never had any children, but they did adopt a, a baby, Al, Al Dreamer. And then there's Emma. Emma is uh, was uh, married to Tom Flood, and her first children were from him. Then he died, and uh, she married... Uh, Walter Tenfingers, and she had children from him. And Walter was a full blood. Uh, I know more about uh, great grandma and grandfather Glispie's children than they do, and I know most of it from my father and my aunt Edna. And then my mother talked, she was a good listener, and she was seven-eighths Indian, mostly Indian. And May Glispie, who who married George, she was a quarter Cheyenne, and he would, uh, they would go back to uh, Lame Deer in that area because that's where they're, mother come from. She was a northern Cheyenne, and she had relatives up there. And uh, so he met her, and he married her, and he was bringing her back to South Dakota. And of course, our grandfather, Oliver, he had a good start in life because his father was a, 
a businessman that owned a mercantile and a hotel in Oryx. And so he was well-to-do. He had cattle and hired hand. Well, George had been working for him. And on the way down, George told uh, May, I got this big ranch down there that I have hired hands and and whatever else he said. So they got to Grandpa Swallow's place and they, they put him up for the night and uh, the next morning, uh, Grandpa Swallow went in and woke him up and told him, you you can't be sleeping all day. There's work to be done. And May thought to herself, how come the hired hand is talking that way to my husband? And she told this story to my mother. <laughs> then my dad told me uh, that... Uh, Uncle George was afraid of the dark, and then he told me why uh, his dad, uh, Oliver, he had this hired hand that was married to a mixed-blood woman that lived uh, probably about 20 miles from where Grandpa's uh, ranch was because the cattle it was free range and they roamed everywhere. So this man took care of the cattle in that area. The road herd on them, and Grandpa heard he was sick, so he hired George to go get him and take him to Hot Springs. Uh, they, he couldn't go to the hospital down there because he was non-Indian, and so George, he uh, uh, took his wagon, and he went over there, and when he got there, this uh, man had died, so he uh, wrapped him in a canvas and was going to take him to Oryx to let the sheriff know that this guy passed on, and so he was headed uh, that way. And uh, it was windy out, and this tarp unraveled and got caught in the wheel of the wagon. And when George heard something, he turned around, and it sat this dead man up. <sighs> and uh, it scared the daylights out of him, and it lasted till he died. And I was talking to uh, Sandy's dad, Uncle Woodrow, who was the youngest of the swallows. And I told him this story, and he said, you know, I often wondered how come Uncle George was afraid of the dark. He said he, when he had to use the outhouse, he would light up a lantern and he'd wake one of the kids up and take them with him to and go to the bathroom. And uh, so that's a... And then I knew Margie. She yeah. didn't have any grandchildren. She was married to Aaron Dreamer. Yes, I, so me and my brother used to go down and stay with them. I I know um, Daddy seemed to be especially close to Aunt Margie, and I remember yeah. I remember when uh, I went to live with Aunt Joe. Aunt Jo was so kind-hearted, and she really cared about her aunts. And 
at Christmas time, she'd make up a bunch of candy, fudge, and divinity, and a bunch yeah. of things, and and then <clears throat> she'd always, of course, have jelly and things like that. And we kind of made the rounds. I remember seeing Aunt Margie and Aunt Alice and Aunt May. Are those are these are the ones I kind of remember, and uh, she would take you know a box full of these goodies for Christmas gifts and. So um, Aunt Margie was really pretty. She had blue eyes, I think. Yeah, she, uh, her and her younger sister, uh, uh, Emma, were beautiful women, you know. Uh, uh, Margie was uh, married to Aaron, and he was a full-blood, so she could talk fluent Sioux, Cheyenne and good English, and I, I believe Emma could. Uh, she was the same way. Now, them two, and I think Bob, he also could talk fluent uh, Sioux because he was married to a Sioux, and he he served as a uh, oh for the local older people that wanted to write letters to the representative or Washington or any place that required English, that's what he would do. He would translate their, what they wanted to say, and then they would give him a little money, you know. But uh, the Glispie family is a big family, and it uh, they were scattered. Uh, the the women folk never left the reservation. They lived there all the time, and uh, the boys they they stayed there. But their their children, their offspring, they all left. There is no uh, no Glispies uh, left. The last one uh, was uh, Bob's boy Billy and he passed on here several years ago but uh, they all left and made their way somewhere else that's uh, but the Cheyennes uh, I don't know whether they associated with each other but there's quite a few Cheyennes that are listed as Sioux and I think for the most part they lost their language once them older uh, older Cheyennes passed on they, they, the language died you know history is uh, we need to uh, tell what we know now I'm working on uh, the red shirt settlement there there's younger people want to know who the original ones that lived there. And the people my age, uh, there's very few of us that know. And uh, the others don't seem interested, but that's one of the things I've been working on. And Vic, um, being a Lakota elder, he has, up until recently, 
been with the Native Sun newspaper and wrote articles, and I know you're still doing that to a certain extent. What he does is write articles kind of on everyday life, which and everyday life in the past, his, what went on. And, you know, those are things that are lost if, if uh, people don't write them down or visit about them. Well, this has been very interesting. Can you think of anything else about uh, Great Grandma and Grandpa Glispie that? Well, I uh, Great Grandma, of course, she uh, taught Cheyenne, and uh, the only ones that understood her were her children, and so the grandchildren. They didn't know what she was, what she was saying. You know, Dad never had much to say about her. Uh, and then great grandpa, uh, I've got a picture of his brother Robert, and I think it was taken in 1913 in Kansas City, Missouri, and him and his wife. But other than that, I don't know how uh, many siblings he had. You know, he come from Missouri and. Uh, and he was an Irishman. He was an Irishman, and he uh, they owned a plantation and lived his life out down here. Uh, had a good uh, uh, reputation with the Indians. He he uh, understood how to get along with them. You know, you if you live among people that are strange to you, uh, you don't never talk down to them. You talk on a level they, uh, even if you talk a a different language, they can tell if uh, you're talking down to them. And uh, he he had a good reputation with uh, the Indian people. And uh, for our listeners, you know, one of the very small things that is in the culture, Native American culture, is Indian time. And Indian time, (laughs) you know, a lot of people resent Indian time. But, you know, it's just not so structured. Uh, When people invite you to to a feast or something like that, people just kind of come when they're able to. And it's a lot more laid back, which... um, is good in some ways and bad in some ways, but with our hectic world, you know, it's easygoing and uh, not quite so stressful. But Vic, I, I'm so thankful that you um, took some time out of your day to visit with me, and I think, you know, you've got a lot of wisdom to tell people, and, and um, thank you for this. Well, I appreciate uh, being able to share what knowledge I know, and I've uh, expressed that to the Native Son. You know, everything I write, I try to stay positive because it is a negative world. Reality is negative, you know, but there is there's hope and there's, uh, uh, you know, positive things that, are happening in our lives, and 
that's kind of what we got to dwell on, the positive things, because the negative things will get you down and it serves no purpose, you know. So uh, that person's got to work on it and <laughs> try to stay positive. Okay. okay, thank you, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us.